0: Welcome, everybody, to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the AJ Osborne Podcast. And today, I guess because it's Halloween, we are going to talk about risk because that's what's scary, right? So risk is actually an incredible topic that there's a lot of layers. This involves everything from debt, operations, there's actually a lot that goes into risk. And one of the things that hurts us the most is not fully understanding how risk works, but more importantly, not compartmentalizing risk. So today, we're going to compartmentalize risk, and we're going to talk about it. Now, there's different kinds of risk, right? There's risk that um, you need to control or manage. There's risk that can be solved easily. There's risk that you have to set up everything from debt structures to um, operational structures to get over. But really, the big thing that we want to hit on today and the important thing that we want to hit on is that risk cannot simply be gotten rid of, right? You can't get rid of risk. That's not something that can happen. So knowing that we can't get rid of risk, it's all about managing risk. That's what it really comes down to, is how do we manage risk and how do we identify the worst kind of risks, or how do we identify our risk tolerance, I should say, and where that should be. And I find that most people, particularly when investing and particularly when it comes to money, are very, very confused on risk. So I'm going to divide risk up into three categories, all right? So we have the risk of investment, we have the risk of missed opportunity, and we have the risk of ruin. These three risks um, are very different and we need to analyze them. We need to analyze how debt plays into them. And also we need to counteract this with this missed opportunity idea and how that plays into our lives, but our overall risk tolerance or portfolio. So first thing we have to understand is the history of risk. Okay. If you haven't read uh, Against the Gods, The Remarkable Story of Risk, I highly, highly suggest it. It is a fabulous book and understanding how we as people um, come to understand risk or come to think of risk, particularly when it comes to money or capital. But as in the history of risks, our body— and our mind have not developed to really understand or work within the risk of the economy or the risk of money or capital. Our minds are developed solely around the risk of dying. So decisions that we make are made in usually a fight or flight response. Now, this is actually the worst way to analyze risk when it comes to money, when it comes to capital. The flight or fight response is something that should be avoided when it comes to money. The reason being is um, it's very linear, right? It's either I'm going to die, so I either need to fight to the death or I need to get the heck out of here. I need to stop. I need to quit. I need to run, that is not how we want to look at risk, but that's how our body reacts, right? You can feel those things internally. You can feel the adrenaline spike. You can feel the you know, cold sweat. You can feel that fear, that anxiety crippling you. And that anxiety comes always the same, even though it's not placed within the you're not running away. There's not a line in front of you, right? You may just have a bad investment that may go under. So the reaction is disproportionate to the reality of the consequences when we think of risk. This is something that you really need to understand and you need to look internally at yourself and saying, is my reaction to risk this risk appropriate to the consequence or the reality of the situation. Most often, it is absolutely not. It is not um, uh, an appropriate reaction. Now, I know this firsthand. So I can tell you that when I, the, the worst deal that I ever did, it was a deal that Frankly, you know, haunts speaks to today because it was such a bad experience. Um, I did a deal that I shouldn't have done. I didn't appropriately measure the risk. I didn't appropriately manage that risk. And this was done through a contract. Right, So contracts are one of the ways in business dealings that we use to mitigate risk. And within this contract, because I think pride and I think uh, a lot of other things, I did not appropriately manage the risk and I was taken advantage of. And during that time, I faced the risk of not only my capital – but I also faced the risk of missed opportunity, and the miss the risk of ruin. This was huge. This could have taken me down, right? It could have taken me down. It could have taken my family down, my employees down. And when faced with that, um, my body moved straight into a fight or flight response. Now, what people don't tell you, and what people don't talk about, particularly when it comes to money capital or business is that that response is not something that is a one time it's not something that's just goes away right so that response played out as long as this deal did this was this was over like a year or more and so it was in this con- living in a constant state of anxiety fight or flight, depression, right? And what that did was it actually made me more ill-equipped to deal with the risk at hand. I couldn't think clearly. I couldn't analyze. I couldn't pick my moves. It was always just fight or flight, fight or flight. So the first thing with risk is to control ourselves. The first part of risk is to understand our reaction to it, understand the risk at hand, and control ourselves. All right. With that, the history of risk and how we became more able to control or manage risk has a lot to do with odds, okay? And this was pioneered in Rome, really, um, in that era in, in the uh, region of Italy now, where banking looked at the risk of odds when gambling and associating that with loaning money and how you could diversify, how you could manage that risk. This was something that changed the world fundamentally. It was not a linear thing. It was not a risk everything, every single time. That meant that we could do more. That meant that we could take on bigger projects. And this simple thing revolutionized our world. It allowed us to spread out our bets so to speak take bigger bets and it really propelled us as humanity forward and what it allowed us to do now the same aspect of risk should be applied to your life okay so how do I manage it so that I can reduce my overall risk while increasing my overall return right this is this is investment theory 101. Okay. Right. <laughs> Managing risk to increase return. This is the goal. And now that we understand how our body reacts to it, right, we understand the or, uh, fight or flight response. We understand that that is a poor way of going about it. We can tackle the risk before we even make it. So there are three types risk of investment, risk of missed opportunity, and risk of ruin the one thing that should always be prevalent is the risk of ruin. This is the one type of risk that you want to avoid completely. You don't want to do something that takes you out of the game. You don't want to do something that allows you to stop playing because that in itself is a poor way to manage risk. Obviously, if I can no longer manage my if i no longer have the opportunity to play the odds of me winning goes down to 0 so that is the number one thing to avoid you need to be in the game you need to allow yourself to take on risk that when failed it doesn't take you out that way you can learn you can build you can do more right so when we're looking at investments there's a few things that people need to understand, right? If you're investing in one stock, you have a risk of investment. You can, that stock could go up, it could go down, that, that investment could end. Now, that is the risk of investment. Now, once you throw debt into investments, that's when you change the game dramatically, when it comes down to risk. The reason you change the game dramatically is because you're inserting a clawback of capital, okay? So if I fail, now they can come after not just the investment, but everything else. This is when we introduce more of that risk of ruin. Now, this is something that needs to be taken very seriously and managed appropriately. Ways that we can manage that is managing the type of debt. So we move, we try to go as quickly as we can from personal debt to non-recourse debt. And the type of debt that we use is income producing debt. Now, debt also, though, can allow us to reduce risk. Now, how does debt allow us to reduce risk? This, this can be a complicated, seemingly topic. And the reason why that can be complicated is to a lot of people, it doesn't make sense because we associate risk as plain and simple, uh, or we associate debt as just risk. There's nothing more. All it is, is risk. And that is not true. In fact, debt is a tool to allow us to manage risk. Now, if you have a W-2 income, right, your risk of making that, uh, that money is solely concentrated on one point in which you have no control over. To me, that is the most risky position economically you can be in. It's concentrated in one spot in which you have basically zero control of that revenue source. So this is a perfect example of how debt can actually help you offset that risk by taking on debt to have other income producing assets now you have multiple streams of income one of which you can control that reduces the risk of your income loss right from your original source of income now uh, now some people may say yes but then i also um i also in turn insert the risk of going bankrupt well that is true. But if you own a house or you own anything else, how long do you live without your income until you go bankrupt anyways, right? And if you can't find more uh, another job and if you can't replace that income, what time frame and what's the likelihood of you having the risk of ruin? It's probably pretty great. So understanding that risk and not, I think, fooling ourselves, but looking at it in how that risk really is, we understand it better. We've been told that having a job, right? Have a job, get a house, right? Use your credit cards, right? That's fine. But then buying an investment is risky. The reality of that is just not true. Um, The reality of that is quite the opposite. You're taking on debt that involves the risk of ruin, which has no income-producing ability to offset it so that That is all solely based upon you and the income that is controlled by an outside source. So measuring appropriately the risk in our own lives is important, and using debt as a form to offset that can be very, very powerful in increasing the risk of you missing opportunity, of not missing opportunity. So the risk of missed opportunity is very, very real. This plays big when we look at the recession. People were burned. They were so insured. Nobody wanted to take out debt. Nobody wanted to invest in anything for decades. That was probably the best time to ever be investing. Now that we're at the top of a cycle, everybody's trying to get in. Everybody's using debt because debt is perceived as less risky than it was back then, but the actual tenants of debt haven't changed. We may have a lower interest rate. We may have lower payments, But the odds of that controllable asset producing at a given rate are probably less after seeing basically 10 plus years of going straight up. So analyzing risk in a non-emotional way allows you to capitalize on opportunities when you should and evaluate those opportunities correctly instead of evaluating them on an emotional base and a flight or fight response. With risk, controlling yourself is literally, I don't know, probably 80%, right, of um, of the game. So missed opportunities, when you're looking at, if I should buy an investment today versus 20 years from now, right, what is that asset out? at, you may miss it completely, or you have to pay now that huge increase when you didn't have to today. So the missed opportunity is a real risk. And it doesn't, I'm not saying you should have FOMO. That's not what I'm saying, right? Because now you're talking about your emotions running the risk of missed opportunity. So it's actually the opposite of FOMO, Okay, so that's important to once again, analyze this, this, this feeling of missing out is coming from emotions. It is not coming from actual evaluating of opportunity and how that opportunity will affect my current situation. So will that opportunity diversify my income? Will that opportunity move me forward and put me in a better place, which now my life is less dependent on a single source of income and I'm diversified? right that um is what we saw in early 2000 uh the early 2000s with houses the opportunity no the opportunity didn't matter the fomo mattered so everybody was acting on the fear of missing out because housing just kept going up they didn't miss out on an opportunity because the opportunity wasn't there because the fundamentals didn't exist now the risk of the investment is the part where you should be looking and saying, how can I diversify? So we have assets that are cash flowing assets that have debt on them, um, the vast majority of them non-recourse that are in multiple markets. So we try to diversify, and uh, I, I am diversified as far as markets go, but I'm very concentrated as far as assets go. So being diversified in markets is good, but if I'm looking at a weak spot of mine, it is being so concentrated within one asset class. And I and I have a problem when people say, "Oh, I'm diversified in the stock market." Well, you're not diversified in the stock market. You're all you're holding the same asset class. You're holding stocks. And when the stock market comes crashes down, the diversification doesn't stop you from failing. It may hedge a little your bets on, you know, Uh, instead of an 80% loss, maybe it's a 70% loss or whatever that may be. But at the same time, you're still holding the same asset class. True diversification to limit your risk of investment to me is through different, completely separated, non-correlated asset classes. So correlated asset classes means that the same economic forces that make them go up or down are correlated. So once again, if I own 10 stocks, those are all correlated. And then when the stock market goes down, it goes down. And when it goes up, it goes up. So having uh, when you're trying to solve the risk of investment, not losing that investment capital that you put in, diversification of asset class becomes very important. I am very concentrated in self-storage. I own other businesses, but the bulk of my wealth is self-storage. And that's something that I will need to solve. But how I've offsetted that risk of investment is twofold. I've offsetted it through different markets. So that way, the economics of the region are different from other regions, meaning some markets do better in recessions. um, Some markets uh, do better in uptimes, right? I have markets where my assets have increased Astronomically over the last two years, because those markets are booming, growing. Then I have other assets that are high cash flow with not boom or bust markets, but they um, are good, stable asset classes. Now, the other side, besides diversification of location and the the economic drivers of those assets, is income. Right, the income base. How I protect the risk of that asset failing, I try to have big margins. And I look at how I can improve the income within that asset to give me a large margin and a and the ability for that asset to contract and expand, right? I call this my margin of stupidity. It has to have good enough cash flowing margins and I have to be able to improve it to have a nice healthy mar- margin so that even if I'm stupid and I do something stupid, which is bound to happen because I'm not perfect, I don't know everything, that that asset will still survive. So, To avoid my risk of of investment, I include my margin of stupidity, and I also include the diversification of economic drivers. Um, But the next thing that you should have to avoid the risk of investment is the diversification of correlated assets. That's a spot that I need to improve on. Now, to avoid the risk of ruin, I I exchange my debt in a way that it can go into non-recourse loans, which means I'm not personally liable. I also diversify through use of contracts, which means I isolate risk within certain LLCs. I isolate, we. so when we're looking at the risk of ruin, You have the risk of debt clawbacks, but you also have the risk of contagion, which means that one failure can spread to all your other assets and make them fail. So that's something I look at and I'm very concerned about. Um, And usually that is done um, in the form of contracts. Okay. So, risk of missed opportunity. We set up the risk to avoid the risk of missed opportunity. We have our entire acquisition department, which we have metrics that they need to hit, but also the risk of missed opportunity. I really manage that by having clear qualifications and understanding the asset so well that I'm also not buying an asset out of the FOMO, that it's out of sound investment principles and we stick to our guns. All right. Now, remember, I've kind of gone over these three, and what we're doing currently, remember you are managing, not eliminating, and you have the risk of capital, the risk of debt, right? You have the risk of contagion, meaning spreading through, so it affects that risk of ruin. You also have that risk of not, uh, you have a risk of not executing. Now, what does that mean? risk of not executing. When we're looking at our risk of investment, our three big ones, our risk of investment, our risk of missed opportunity, and our risk of ruin, um, the risks that play into that could be the risk of not executing, meaning I got myself into a situation in which I can't perform. I can't execute. The investment may have been fine, but I am i can't actually pull it off. So then the investment's going to fail due to me. Okay. So when you look at the risk of investment, the risk of ruin, or missed opportunity. A lot of times, it comes from the inability to execute. Now, this is easily solved through education and through partnerships, right, um, with other people. But a lot of people, because the they have the risk of not executing, they also have another risk, and that's the risk of the unknown, and that causes analysis paralysis, which drives missed opportunity. Now. There are risks that we can manage and not execute, not being able to execute, and the unknown are two big ones. Everything through partnership, through education, right? Through how the contracts are set up, the um, debt is set up to the actual cash-flowing asset. Remember my margin of stupidity. That's all around the risk of unknown. And you have to understand that you'll never know everything. You won't actually know the outcome. So when I'm looking at um, our risk of missed opportunity, having the structure to identify where I can perform, what I can do, the areas that I need help, and then having a system set employed, uh, uh, ready to execute on that opportunity, combined with my very strict guidance and rules, right? That gives me an investment profile. So that way, when the investment matches my profile, or if I just need to adjust, right, Doesn't it, nothing has to be perfect because it can't be, I can still execute. The idea is to have multiple streams of income, to be managing, not eliminating risk, identifying the risk, controlling it, not letting your emotions control you. And not all risk is the same. So now we come into this this more of this investment theory, right? This relationship between risk and return. Now, this gets way more into the weeds because this can involve a lot of people. This involves a lot of different things. The, your association between risk and return to a lot of people is very scary because their association with their W-2 and the risk to get that is very little, They say, oh, I just work and I get a paycheck. So my risk is low because that's just my time. Now, I would challenge that. And I'd say that's actually the most risky thing you can do because you don't get your time back, right? Managing um, my relationship between risk and return to me is more managing my uh, time. Am I offsetting my time? which allows me to compound, which allows me to put further efforts into something new? How can I offset my time through income? Now, that's a fundamental shift you got to go through. Is this really risky? What am I getting for it? For me, offsetting my income and my time, separating those two things was worth a lot more risk Then after I'd obviously done that and gained it, then it became a lot more about not losing that because I'd gained an essential asset, which was time. Now my risk to time ratio, or excuse me, my return to time ratio is much higher than it was when I started. If I'm gonna spend my time on it, it needs to generate outsized returns for me, or it's not worth the risk that I have to take on it. And the risk being, my time. So this is an evolutionary thing as you go through and managing that risk off setting the dangers, controlling yourself, your mind, your animalistic instincts to go to fight or flight. This all comes down to investing capital management. And I'll remember a lot of people think that working in a W-2 is not risky. It's just your time but that's a concentrated form of risk in which you don't control. So therefore, it is the highest amount of risk that you could take. I hope this helps everybody. Let me know if you got questions. You can go follow me on Instagram, YouTube, any of those things, check it out. I'd love to talk more about this. Investment theory, analyzing, mitigating risk is a huge, huge topic that we'll dive into more. Thanks everybody.